good morning and welcome to Church at Home. My name is Simon Clegg and I'm the pastor of St Barnabas Bible Church here in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, If you're with us for the first time, we are delighted that you've joined us and I hope by the grace of God that our Bible talk this morning will be a blessing and an encouragement to you, even as you continue in fellowship with a local church. Now, it's never been easy to be a Christian. Uh, The early church was persecuted intensely almost as soon as it began. And today, around 260 million Christians uh, are experiencing intense persecution in different countries around the world. So, now more than ever, Christians need to know what they believe and why they believe it. And for that reason, for some weeks, we've been doing a series in the Gospel of Mark, which is all about Jesus. It shows us who Jesus is and why he came and how anybody today can receive him as their personal saviour and lord. So if today's study leaves you with questions, or you'd like somebody on the ministry team to talk to or to pray with you, can I encourage you to visit our website, www.sbbc.org.za, and on the home page you'll find a contact tab where you can leave your contact details and someone on the team will get back in touch with you in the course of the week. So now as we begin, can I invite you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 7 and verse 31, and before I read, I'm going to pray and ask for the Lord's help. So won't you bow with me as I lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for the enormous privilege of an open Bible, What we know not will you teach us, what we have not will you give us, and what we are not will you make us as we study your word together. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now it's a slightly longer reading than normal this morning. I'm beginning at Mark chapter 7 verse 31 and going all the way through to chapter 8 and verse 21 and the reason for the extended reading will become clear in a moment. Uh, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. (coughs) Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. 
he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed with one another and said, well, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Well, just so far in God's holy and inerrant word. Now, in our series, we've been taking fairly small sections in Mark's Gospel in order to try and think more deeply about them. So you might be surprised this morning that we're taking 28 verses. It's actually rather a large chunk. But it really has one main point to make, which concerns the problem of deafness. So notice at the beginning of the passage, they bring a deaf man to Jesus. And then at the end of the passage... Jesus is asking the disciples, do you have ears but fail to hear? So there is a physical deafness in the passage and there's also a spiritual deafness. Now, physical deafness, of course, is a desperate thing. But even more serious than physical deafness is the problem of spiritual deafness. Uh, If you put your fingers in your ears, you can begin to imagine what it must be like to be physically deaf, uh, to hear no voices, to hear no music, no birdsong, no laughter. It is indeed a very great loss, very isolating. But it's an even more terrible thing not to hear the word of God, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. And there are literally millions of people in the world who have good physical ears but who don't have spiritual ears. In my teens, I think I must have heard the gospel with my physical ears a number of times. But it was only much later that I heard it with spiritual ears, uh, that I actually heard the gospel and truly grasped it. And I guess that's how it is for many people. The message kind of washing over you for years and years, making no difference at all. 
and then one day you hear it, as it were, for the first time. Now, because we're inside the first half of Mark's Gospel, which is chapters 1 to 8, let me remind you that the big question here is, who is Jesus Christ? And everything is pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, as God's King, uh, as the Son of God, and the people are not getting it. They're not hearing it, and even the disciples aren't getting it. Now, our verses today are going to teach us that all people everywhere are profoundly needy, but Jesus is profoundly gracious. That's the point. So, we're going to look at the text under three headings. The first is the need for Jesus. We need his sovereign help in order to hear. The second is there are two kinds of deafness. Uh, helpless and deliberate. And the third point is the need to listen, referring, of course, to our human responsibility to listen. So first, the need for Jesus to sovereignly give hearing. So this is chapter 7 and verse 31 and following, where Jesus heals a deaf man. Look with me, please, at verse 31. Uh, Jesus is up in the far north, And if you were looking at a map, he'd be travelling over to the right a little bit, and then a long way south. This is a very long journey. And uh, it begins in the area that today we know as Lebanon. So this is Gentile country. And uh, they bring a man to Jesus with two problems. Uh, He's deaf, and he can't speak properly. And there's no doubt that the deafness and the inability to speak are connected. You probably know, don't you, that when you meet someone who can't hear, it's also very difficult for that person to articulate clearly. Now, if you love your Bible, and I know many of you do, you'll be interested to know that the little phrase in verse 32 could hardly talk, that little phrase, comes in only one other place in the Bible. It comes in the Greek translation of Isaiah 35. And in Isaiah 35, we're told that a day would come when God would visit his people and the ears of the deaf will be opened and the person who finds it difficult to speak will suddenly shout for joy. And Isaiah 35 is promising that day will come. And here in Mark chapter 7, the only other place in the Bible, we have that same little phrase. Jesus is healing the person who can hardly talk. So in 800 BC, Isaiah said God will come, and here in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is fulfilling the prediction. Now you'll notice that the friends uh, simply want Jesus to put his hand on the man. But Jesus actually does something far more wonderful and far more personal. And I do hope you're going to treasure this because Jesus wants to get this man on his own. So he takes him away from the crowd where there are going to be no distractions. And you and I might look at some of the actions that Jesus performs here with uh, the fingers in the ears and the spitting and touching the man's tongue and looking upwards and it all sounds really rather strange to us. But if you think about it, what it is is sign language for a deaf man. So, 
Jesus is standing in front of this man he's got him all to himself and the man has got Jesus all to himself and it looks doesn't it as if Jesus is saying something like I'm going to fix your ears and I'm going to get something out of your mouth I'm going to fix your tongue and by looking up to heaven Jesus is signing to this man I'm going to get heaven to help you and I think it's very wonderful that Jesus deals with him so specifically and so compassionately he speaks just one Aramaic word which means be opened and suddenly his ears are opened and his mouth is open so he can speak so this really is an amazing day of course it's a creation miracle Uh, This man is now speaking for the first time in his life like a normal person. And if you know someone who's been given fresh help to hear, you'll know that the look on that person's face is absolutely wonderful. Uh, We have a friend who was deaf for uh, most of her life. She'd never actually heard her children speak. But a few years ago, she was given the latest technology, a new hearing aid. And for the very first time, she could hear her children talking. It must have been overwhelmingly wonderful for her. Well, here, this man was completely helpless. He was hopeless. His friends were probably pagans, but they made the brilliant decision, didn't they, to bring this guy to Jesus, and his physical problem is solved. Now notice, will you, there are some clues here that um, in the verses that follow, verses 36 and 37, that Jesus has actually a much bigger agenda. Because in verse 36 we read, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. And uh, we look at that and we say to ourselves, how on earth could you keep that quiet? And wouldn't some publicity be a good thing? to say nothing of the fact that these people are probably Gentiles. Uh, So it's not as though they're going to spread the news about the Messiah in a way that's going to be confusing for people. So why is Jesus telling these people to keep quiet, to keep it to themselves? Well, the reason is that miracles are not his top priority. Because miracles don't solve the biggest problem in the world. Because they don't solve the problem of our fallen nature that's actually what separates people from God we were thinking about this last week that's the biggest problem in the world we're all born with a corrupt nature and for that reason we find ourselves separated from God and if that problem's going to be put right we need God to give us a new nature we can't do it for ourselves but it is absolutely vital because the first And most important thing for everybody is that they should have a relationship with God. (coughs) And the only way that can be made possible is by Jesus dying on the cross and in a way losing his fellowship with God. Because it's through the crucifixion where Jesus loses his fellowship with God that he's going to make it possible for anybody else to have fellowship with God. Now that is Jesus' top priority. And that's going to be the focus in chapters 9 through to 16 in Mark's Gospel. The purpose of the miracles then is to show us who Jesus is. But here you can see that the effect of this miracle is is extraordinary. 
because suddenly the man is listening and he's speaking and in verse 36 the people are telling absolutely everybody even though Jesus told them to keep it quiet and then we read that lovely sentence in verse 37 Jesus has done everything well it's a lovely comment isn't it on this particular moment how well Jesus has done this and of course it's what we Christians often say as we look back on our own lives and we say yes he he really has done everything well and at the very end of our lives on the last day we're going to be saying you know I didn't always see it at the time but Jesus has done everything well Uh, one of my favourite hymns is by Charles Wesley Uh, it's Oh for a Thousand Tongues to sing our great Redeemer's praise and at the very last verse famously begins like this Hear him, ye deaf His praise, ye dumb Your loosened tongues employ Now Wesley of course took those words from this wonderful episode in Mark's Gospel So that's a lovely thing isn't it? And that's the first thing this morning The need for Jesus Now the second thing today is two kinds of deafness And here we're in chapter 8, verses 1 to 13, where we see that there is a helpless deafness and there is also a deliberate deafness. The helpless deafness is the deafness of the disciples, they can't hear, they're helpless. And then there is the deliberate deafness of the Pharisees. So look with me please at chapter 8 and verse 1, where we come to the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, I guess for many people this is a a rather embarrassing paragraph because there are some people, including some scholars who ought to know better who say that Mark had a bad memory Uh, They say that Mark had forgotten that he's already told this story In other words, Mark is perhaps rather like an embarrassing older relative who tells you a story forgetting that they just told it to you half an hour before So I want to tell you why that particular explanation is absolute nonsense. For a start, it defies common sense. Mark's telling this story because people get hungry in different places. Of course they do. So there was a crowd that got hungry on one day in one place, and then there's another crowd who got hungry on another day in another place. Now that of course is perfectly natural especially as we're told in verse 2 notice the detail that they'd already been with Jesus three days so that's the first thing secondly notice that Jesus himself says there were two miracles look at verses 19 and 20 where Jesus says to the disciples you remember the feeding of the 5,000 and then remember the feeding of the 4,000 And then the third thing is that of course the details are so different, aren't they? They're in a different place. There are a different number of people. There's a different number of baskets. There's a different number of loaves. There's a different amount of leftovers. So there are lots of differences in the details. But I suggest to you that the real key here is chapter 8 verse 4 where in the context of spiritual deafness we're told that these disciples are absolutely stone deaf. Because in chapter 8, verse 4, the disciples say in astonishment, well, here we are in this wilderness, what on earth are we going to do? 
how can anybody possibly find enough bread out here to feed this crowd? Now friends, if we're honest, uh, we read that and, and we think to ourselves, well, well, you disciples must be really stupid. Because somehow the message of Jesus hasn't got through to them. How could they possibly ask that question? They've seen him feed the 5,000 where he turned just a few loaves into a feast because he is the God of creation as well as the God of salvation. So why on earth doesn't it occur to them to say, look, yes, we have got another huge crowd with us, but we've also got the Son of God with us, so we're not going to panic. But they don't do that. It's as if nothing's happened. Nothing has been communicated. Uh, that nothing has been said, and certainly nothing has been heard. So they are helplessly and hopelessly deaf. Now friends, I guess we're all bad listeners on occasions, aren't we? Uh, I don't know, but you might be being a bad listener right now. One of my own faults is uh, to be at a social gathering where uh, there's a buzz of conversation and perhaps I can be standing in a little group and someone might mention a word, let's say for example golf, and uh, my mind will go off on a pleasant little detour. And uh, whilst I'm away with the fairies, uh, someone else in that group will introduce another subject, perhaps talking about their holiday in the Kruger Park for example. And when I come back from my little dream, uh, I might say something like, well, has anybody here been to the Kruger Park? Now, of course, that kind of thing can be very embarrassing. It's careless listening. And perhaps we're all capable of something like that. But you see, what's happening here in verse 4 is actually astonishing, isn't it? The message of the Son of Man is right under their noses. The Son of God feeding a massive crowd. They all saw it. They all experienced it. It must have been unmistakable. They've seen Jesus solve the feeding problem, but they simply haven't heard it. They're helpless. They're hopeless. I suppose it's rather like that, isn't it, when you try and share the gospel with a friend, or maybe I'm preaching on a Sunday, and uh, we say something like this. Um, you know, your performance in life has not been good enough for God. Uh, it's not good enough for God right now. Neither is mine. Um, but Jesus Christ has lived perfectly. He alone is good enough. And he saves the faithful and he saves the sinner. And if you call out to him, he will save you. He will forgive you, adopt you, rescue you, carry you. And you might say something like that to your friend and your friend says, I think you're telling me to do better, that I've got to try harder. And in that moment you realise, don't you, that there is this desperate deafness to the Gospel. Well, that's the kind of deafness that Jesus is facing with the disciples and yet he very graciously and wonderfully goes and feeds the crowd. He demonstrates yet again that he is God perfectly gracious, <coughs> excuse me, and perfectly sufficient. So, are the disciples going to get the message this time? No, they're not. They're profoundly deaf. And actually you and I would be also profoundly deaf if Jesus didn't open our ears. Now, what about the deliberate deafness? <coughs> 
excuse me, the deliberate deafness is in chapter 8 and verse 11, uh, where the Pharisees, the religious professionals, come to Jesus to test him. Actually, the word in the original there is they came to tempt him. And they say, show us a sign. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that in the context of deafness, they say, we want to see something. And we're not listening to you. It's possible that they actually witness the feeding miracle. And the point is that they willfully and deliberately reject the revelation they've been given. That we're not listening to you. We want you to show us something. Even your feeding and your talking aren't good enough for us. We want something that's going to really impress us. So here, here we have, you see, a deliberate deafness. It's refusing to hear something that is actually crystal clear. And I guess all of us have witnessed this at some time or other. And I want you to notice that Jesus responds in a very interesting way in verse 12. First of all, he says, uh, you know, this is a global problem. See, Jesus does not say, why do the Pharisees ask for a sign? No. He says, why does this generation ask for a sign? In other words, this is a typical human problem. And people say, don't they, um, when you show me, I will believe. I'll believe when I see. But I hope you know that's not true. Because in Jesus' day, people saw lots of things. Most of them didn't believe. The second thing Jesus does is that he refuses to provide a sign. And instead, he makes an oath. Uh, literally, in the original language, he says something like this. I will die before I give them a sign. Over my dead body will I give them a sign. And then the third thing that Jesus does here is he quite literally walks away. So just picture the scene. Imagine that little group of Pharisees, terribly important people in the church, deeply religious, very intelligent. And they come to Jesus saying, show us a sign. And he turns his back and he walks away. So can I ask you please to put these three episodes together in your mind? You see, the deaf man who comes to Jesus in humility finds compassion. Uh, the disciples who come to Jesus foolishly find that he is patient. But the Pharisees who are deaf and come to Jesus arrogantly find that he rejects them. So we've seen the need for Jesus. And we've looked at two kinds of deafness. And then thirdly, this morning, there is the need to listen. Now this is where we're suddenly face to face with our human responsibility to listen to the teaching of Jesus in chapter 8, verses 14 to 21. In verse 15, Jesus warns his disciples. Uh, he says, watch out for the yeast. Uh, or we might say, watch out for the influence of the Pharisees. Now what's he saying there? <clears throat> He's saying their prejudice will get into you, uh, their cynicism will get into you, their hypocrisy will get into you. So watch out for them. And uh, the disciples say he's talking about a loaf of bread. So Jesus then sits them down almost as if they're in a primary school class 
and he asks them some very, very basic questions. Uh, do you have two eyes? Uh, do you have two ears? Do you remember the 5,000 being fed? Can you remember the 4,000 being fed? Do you get it? Do you not get it? Would you like me to spell Messiah for you? This is how basic these questions are. But we've seen, haven't we, from chapter 7 and verse 31 and following, that the ability to hear is a work of God. He will open the spiritual ears of these disciples, and we'll see in the rest of chapter 8, that finally they are beginning to see and hear. But the physical miracle of the deaf man is a signpost to the universal need for a spiritual miracle. Now, of course, you know perfectly well there are plenty of people in Cape Town whose ears are excellent physically. And yet, they are spiritually stone deaf. They just can't get the message. And that we have this rather beautiful balance in our passage where on the one hand we're told that we need Jesus to open our ears and yet on the other hand we also need to listen. So can you get this? You can't listen unless Jesus opens your ears and you also need to listen. So divine sovereignty and human responsibility go together. There's no contradiction in that. At the very same time that we're being told that God must open our ears, we're being told that we must open our ears. Perhaps I can put it like this. Uh, I hope it's not too strident for you. But if you go to heaven, you're going to spend all of eternity thanking God that he opened your ears. And if you go to hell, you'll spend all of eternity kicking yourself that you didn't listen that is the significance, the application of what Jesus is saying here. In one of his most famous sermons, the Baptist preacher Spurgeon addressed his congregation on the need for them to listen. And uh, these sentences I'm going to read to you, I think, are wonderful. He said this, Oh my hearers, if you're not converted, I waste time and energy standing here. I'd be better employed breaking stones on the side of the road than in preaching to you. You may think you're judging the preacher, but the word is judging you. Some of you have been hearers from childhood. If you're not yet saved, will you ever be saved? How will you excuse yourselves before God? I'm dealing with those of you who hear the word, but its fruit never comes. The same seed has gone out. We haven't changed the seed. Many have brought forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some a hundredfold. They heard no more than you. But how much better they treated it than you have done. How covered with briars and thorns your mind must be, that the gospel which converted your friend never touched you. The fault is not the seed. And think how favoured you have been. The gospel has been preached, and your blood will be on your own head if you perish. What shall I make of the fact that the truth has had no effect on you, that you should live as if it were a lie? Do you do more than the devil? No, you're behind him, for he believes and trembles. 
and you have not gone as far as trembling. If you wish to go to heaven, I might take a little time to show you the way. But if you must go to hell, well, it's easy and just a matter of neglect. What a very powerful message that is. And it might be this morning that there's uh, someone listening right now who really needs to hear it. Why haven't you yet heard? And the truth is, you need to take action. I'm going to leave it to you to work out what action that should be. Might be asking the Lord to help you. It might be contacting somebody on the ministry team to have a conversation. But uh, there's no doubt that there will be somebody listening this morning and you've heard plenty with your physical ear, but you've not yet heard with your spiritual ear. But I guess and I believe firmly that most of you this morning will respond by thanking the Lord that he has opened your ears, that he's come and dealt with you personally and compassionately and profoundly and wonderfully and you will be deeply thankful this morning. And of course you will be wanting deaf people to hear. You'll be asking the Lord to open their ears and you'll also be saying to yourself that uh, in terms of our salvation he has done all things well. Well, let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you that you do speak to us so clearly through the words of Scripture. We thank you that you open the ears of the spiritually deaf. Many of us thank you for your mercy and your tender care in giving us not only physical ears, but spiritual ears. Not because we deserve it, but because of your kindness. And we do pray for those we know who may not yet be hearing the good news that you would give that gift of the spiritual ear. And we're thinking of many people we know and love who are still deaf. And we ask that you would give us grace and wisdom to speak a word and that you would help them to hear it. So hear our prayer we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.